Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and this is our review of The Wolf of Wall Street. My name is Jordan Belfort. The year I turned 26, I made $49 million, which really pissed me off because it was three shy of a million a week. We're making a name for ourselves. Nobody knows if the stock is going to go up, down, sideways, or in circles. You know what a fugazi is? Fugazi. It's a fake. Yeah, fugazi, fugazi. It's a wazi, it's a woozy, it's a fairy dust. Was all this legal? Absolutely not. We were making more money than we knew what to do with. We don't work for you, man. Yeah, my money tape here, Goose. Technically, you do work for me. What's wrong, Daddy? But what did you bring home? Oh, my God. Any kind of booze you might want. No, the bureau forbids us from drinking. So follow me, you could the I'm doing by hunting, I'm out of control. But there's no way to go. And there's no way to slow. If I knew what I knew in the past, I would have been like that on your How does this actually work? There's a big money sign. They get launched at the time, they stick. Yeah. This is their gift, okay? They're built to be thrown like a lawn dart. Stop. Okay? Safety first. Safety is safety is first. We don't want to get a bad reputation. You were just listening to the trailer for The Wolf of Wall Street, and the story is as follows. In 1987, Jordan Belfort takes an entry-level job at Wall Street brokerage firm. By the early 1990s, while still in his 20s, Belfort founds his own firm, Stratton Oakmont. Together with his trusted lieutenant and a merry band of brokers, Belfort makes a huge fortune by defrauding wealthy investors out of millions. However, while Belfort and his cronies partake in a brew of sex, drugs, and thrills, the SEC and the FBI close in on his empire of excess. The film is starring Leonardo DiCaprio, Jonah Hill, Margot Robbie, Matthew McConaughey, Kyle Chandler, Rob Reiner, John Bernthal, John Favreau, and Jean Jujardin. It is directed by Martin Scorsese and written by Terrence Winter. Here to join me today for this Patreon podcast review, I have Michael Schwartz. Hello, everyone. Emma Sasek. Hi, everybody. And Dan Baer. I will not die sober. <laughs> Get me those fucking lewds. <laughs> you, you think we should try to strive for like the most F-bombs in an MVP review with this episode? Let's fucking go. Let's fucking do it. Yeah. Oh, my God. I think this movie does have uh, a record. I don't think it's like top of the list, but I know it's like in at least like the top 10. <laughs> 
Which is saying something, because Goodfellas exists. <laughs> I think we should also do a little chant. Oh. <laughs> I, all right. In all honesty, <laughs> I think we'll save that for the end, because believe it or not, I actually know that by heart. Oh, boy. Oh, of course you do. Well, it's the best scene in the movie, so. So we are here today to talk about a film that premiered pretty late in 2013, part of our retrospective here today, and made quite a splash when it did so. As Martin Scorsese films during award season tend to do, they release at the last minute, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, Marty's in the awards season conversation all over again. This movie also marked um, the fourth collaboration, I believe, between uh, DiCaprio and Scorsese at this point in their careers. And I think it's also probably their best collaboration to date, if you ask me. The movie explores Wall Street during the time of the late 80s, early 90s, the peak of where it was during a time of huge excess. And the movie is also very excessive in that regard, not just in terms of tone, humor, set pieces, energy, but also its length, too, clocking in at just shy of three hours long, making it not Martin Scorsese's long, longest film, but one of Martin Scorsese's longest films. It was his longest at the time. Correct. Yeah. Well, I thought Casino was longer. Oh, well. No. It's, nope. just, lo- it's just longer than Casino. Well. Passing it over first to Emma Sasek. Emma, what do you think of The Wolf of Wall Street? I'm very happy that I joined onto this podcast and gave a rewatch to this because I really, I have not seen it in a number of years. I watched it... Um, I think probably five years ago, I was a little late to the game with this movie and thought it was, you know, fine, very much a bro film at that time. Um, on the rewatch, I just enjoyed it a bunch more. I, I have to agree with you in terms of this being, you know, their best collaboration. I haven't always been the biggest fan of Martin Scorsese's films. A lot of them have just been themes that haven't interested me. And, you know, maybe that's really what put me off from his movies. And I'm not a wealthy business person on Wall Street by any regard. However, this film is just done so well. And I cannot say enough about how great of an actor Leonardo DiCaprio is. I also cannot say enough about how attractive he is in this movie. I just tweeted about that not too long ago, how captivated I was by his looks in this film. You should consider yourself lucky to have a movie star with a body that looks this good. Oh, no kidding. (laughs) Stop flexing your muscles, Jordan. You look like a fucking imbecile. (laughs) (laughs) Do not get me started on how much I love Margot Robbie in this movie either. I mean, it truly just such a fantastic cast. It has a great supporting cast as well with so many key players and um, just actors who have created a name for themselves in the past few years. So I'm very happy to talk about this movie and just how awesome it is. All right. Passing it over next now to Michael Schwartz. I'm just going to come out swinging here. I think this is one of the greatest films of all time. <laughs> whoa, whoa, what? Yep, starting off big. Wow. Here. In assessing the filmography of Martin Scorsese, I believe that Goodfellas is his finest hour. That'll probably never change. It's the classic that reinvented the wheel and inspired many films that followed in its style and its vision. However, no film had ever come close to reaching the heights of Goodfellas until Scorsese's own spiritual sequel, The Wolf of Wall Street. This is an 
intentionally relentless three-hour thrill ride that allows its audience to experience the highest of the highs and the lowest of the lows. It is a dazzling high-wire act that is among the most impeccably crafted films I think I've ever seen. Constructed with surgical precision, it builds up to this lavish and appealing lifestyle only for all of it to come crashing down so quickly and with consequence. From the moment I first saw The Wolf of Wall Street in theaters nearly eight years ago now, I knew that I was witnessing a masterwork from that first time out. I actually saw this film five times in theaters, an all-time record Oh for my God, Michael, wow. me too. <laughs> five times in theaters, four of which were consecutive days in a row. Yeah, I think I saw this opening weekend, I think three times. About the 25th, 26th, 27th, and 28th of December, 2013. Yeah, you know what it was? I just couldn't get enough of the audience's reactions to this movie. I kept going back to kind of feel that energy from everyone, yeah. you know? And it was sold out every time, and people were really just into it. This was like the big movie of that holiday season. And it was a great holiday season, too. You had American Hustle playing and a bunch of other great movies. Uh, and I only found it richer with every viewing after, uh, both in theaters and years after at home. I think it's the culmination of Scorsese's strengths as a filmmaker and, in my opinion, his second greatest film. I love this film so much. Yeah, this is like the kind of movie that I never would have thought that in his 70s he would still have the energy to make a movie like this and have it even be more propulsive in its energy and momentum than something like Goodfellas or Casino uh, which, Michael, when you said spiritual successor to Goodfellas, I was like, Casino found dead in a ditch somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> Sharon Stone is great in Casino. I think that movie has a lot of shortcomings outside of her outside sure. performance. All right. Dan Baer, what about yourself? So Wolf of Wall Street occupies a very special place in my memory banks. Um, I Because we did the, my Christmas present from my... Uh, partner at the time was that we were going to the theaters on Christmas day and spend all day watching movies. And we did, we started with American hustle early in the morning and then had lunch and then watched, um, the, the, the underrated masterpiece, the secret life of Walter Mitty. <laughs> That's a good movie. I sarcasm, 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 sarcasm. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> Listen, if our review for The Wolf of Wall Street is not a light tone affair review, then what are we doing here? <laughs> but Dan, I did see that before Wolf of Wall Street as well. I did a double feature that day of Walter yep. Mitty and Wolf. And then we, and I am not ashamed to say this because it's the one and only time I've ever done this, we snuck into The Wolf of Wall Street. So you were the real wolf of the movie theater. I was the wolf of the movie theater that day. I, we had everything planned out perfectly and timed just right except for the fact that when we were done with walter Mitty, the line was very long to buy tickets mm -hmm. so we just sort of looked into the theater that was right next door and it was starting in like 10 minutes and so there were a good number of empty seats left so we just went in jesus christ <laughs> figured they've gotten enough of our money today. oh yeah they're fine it's they don't fine. need more. like they do not eat we we lunched there we we watched two movies They've made it off off of it. It's fine. And it was a very memorable day. It was an exhausting day, but it was very memorable and I had a great time. And I thought Wolf of Wall Street was a really good way to end the day. Um, it is very energetic film. Um, it It is three hours and it may be the the fastest moving 
three hour film that I've ever seen. Cosine. You on that? Yeah. Um, th- that I, I still think it's a bit long, and you could very easily cut ten minutes out of it and have it be probably a better movie, frankly. But that said, it does move along very well for a three hour movie. I was glad to rewatch it for this because it's been the subject of much, um, I'll say, debate over the years. Um, And even at the time, I think it was a big source of debate or people saying that this was glorifying Jordan Belfort's lifestyle versus those who thought it was a bit of a cautionary tale and taking a bit more of a, no, this is bad. Oh, yeah. If you look at some of the Rotten Tomatoes reviews during this time, they're not uh, universally acclaimed by any stretch of the imagination. Yep. And I, I remember at the time thinking, no. I I think the movie is very clear that this is not something to strive for. Um, And I, when I rewatched it now, I could not agree with that assessment of mine more strongly. I think this is a horror film. Mm. (laughs) I really do. Um, Every single character that is introduced to us in this movie, just about is introduced with um, doing something terrible or telling us about something terrible that they've done or just saying something horrible. Literally every one in this person is a terrible person and the movie tells us that right up front. Hello, and welcome to Novel Conversations, a podcast about the world's greatest stories. I'm your host, Frank Lavallo, and for each episode of Novel Conversations, I talk to two readers about one book. And together, we summarize the story for you. We introduce you to the characters, we tell you what happens to them, and we read from the book along the way. So if you love hearing a good story, you're in the right place. Our ninth season is coming this fall. Tune in to hear from some of the all-time great authors, Charles Dickens, Jules Verne, F. Scott Fitzgerald, and more. Subscribe to Novel Conversations wherever you listen to podcasts. Hello, this is Gary Chahot welcoming you to check out the French History Podcast. Our main show covers the history of France from the first humans until present. If you liked Mike Duncan's The History of Rome and wanted a similar program covering the land of beauty, culture, and love, we are exactly that. We also host world-renowned scholars who have delivered guest episodes on their specialties, including 18th century pirates, revolutionary booksellers in 20th century Paris, the special friendship between the Marquis de Lafayette and Thomas Jefferson, and numerous others. Learn what you love and listen to the French History Podcast today. There is something about Leonardo DiCaprio's performance in this where there are moments when he looks possessed. Oh, yeah. By a Mm -hmm. demon. Mm -hmm. And he's porting his face into like this almost like it's it's a cartoon but it's still a like a monster and like it you do not come away i certainly do not come away from this movie either time i've seen it liking jordan belfort at all no i mean i think the movie makes it very clear that we're not supposed to like him yeah i i think that that i really do think that that is very clear um however i i take great offense to um 
Michael, this is one of the greatest films ever made statement, because I think that is actually rather demonstrably false. I think that um, the cast is, they're really the ones doing the work of holding this film together to make sure it doesn't go flying off the rails. I think that uh, Scorsese's direction is good but nowhere near his best and i i'm sorry but if you i don't know if y'all remember the um the conversation at the time was will wolf of wall street even be finished in time like, yes i do remember that they were rushing the final cut to the theater on the day of the press screening or whatever and um they should have waited they should have waited until the next year. And I know that there are lots of reasons why they couldn't and why they didn't. But I, the especially in the first act of this movie is some of the worst cinematography and editing work of Martin Scorsese and Thomas Schumacher's illustrious careers working together and apart. There is particularly the scene where Jordan goes to um, the investment center for the first time. Oh, there is a crossfade. Yes. Something that is just like, uh, <laughs> this was a major studio, big budget movie. How does that stay in? How? How, how, how does that listen? I, I think, I think Thelma's editing, obviously she's one of the greatest editors of all time, Absolutely. but even in something like departed that she wins the Oscar for, there are mismatched cuts. There's, there, oh, there are mistakes like in most of Scorsese's energetic films that have been, um, I don't want to say rushed, but I do think that sometimes people, do get a little carried away with praising the editing of Scorsese's films to the point where it's like, no, there are some jarring edits that sometimes literally just pull you out of the movie and break the illusion of watching the movie. I mean, continuity? What's that? Right. Uh, I will grant you that moment has always stood out to me every time I've seen it. It's like, okay, maybe <laughs> we could just tighten it up, maybe have like a director's cut just come fix that one bit. But I, I'm not going to have to one... pause, rewind, and watch yeah. it again to make sure that I saw what I saw and it wasn't like some digital artifact you know like a problem with my streaming right no i would totally grant you that it is an error that is there and out of place but at the same time i'm not going to let one mismatched frame impact my reaction to the film overall oh that there are so many more mismatched frames than that there are the like like i said like the continuity in between shots completely out the window so many times i mean i always think of the scene with um rob reiner where there's like shouting in the office and then it just cuts to him just being like, what kind of hooker takes credit cards? And it's like so yeah. <laughs> it's such a weird jarring edit to that moment because so he was not like in that position, how like blocking wise a second before that. And yeah, no, there's there's many moments like that throughout this movie for sure. There's so many moments, like that. So many moments where they this the. the like just with the sound work and the the choosing of when to cut from one scene to another and the overlap with sound is just it's bad it, I it gets better as wife, the movie goes on one thing that i noticed was his wife slammed the limo door two times yeah. <laughs> oh, oh. I st that stood out to me. I was yeah. like, "Wait, hold on. We are we're already past that." <laughs> can't do it. Can't do it. But with that said though, 
there is something to be said for the fact that the pacing of the film, I, I, although with one little caveat, because even this is a criticism of mine, I do think that when we get into the final stretch of the film, like the last 10 minutes, I do start to get into this mode of, okay, we get it already. Wrap it up now. Like, come on. Like, how much more is there really left to tell? Yeah. I feel that way basically for the entire last half hour of this. Okay, okay. Once he starts wearing the wire Mm -hmm. and like, oh God, this really is subpar Goodfellas. Um, It's right from there is when I just start getting bored because even from the beginning, we know where this is going to go. Yeah, it's a typical rise and fall film. And Scorsese has explored it in like 90% of his filmography. (laughs) And he's done it better and more entertaining. He's on the fall part better and more entertainingly than this. And knowing that the movie is almost over is it's like, okay, everything after that feels either perfunctory like everything involving wearing the wire or like it's one scene that goes on particularly for too long that everything on the boat. I, I don't even that there that did not. Well, hold on a second, because there's many scenes on the boat, which we'll get to in a bit here. In let me let me let me get to my opening. <laughs> let me get to my opening thoughts for a moment before we start getting into individual scenes here. Um I'll just say really quick that uh, I've made no secret about this over the years. Martin Scorsese is my favorite filmmaker of all time. I think he is the greatest American uh, director living today. And I think he's one of the all time uh, greats in general, worthy of, you know, anyone calling him his uh, their favorite director. With that said, as I mentioned before, I really did not think that he had the energy to make a movie like this at this stage in his career. Him making something like Silence or The Irishman was more what I was expecting at this stage in his life. And to get something like Wolf was a complete surprise in so many ways. Um, It's not as violent as some of his other films have been, but this is by far his funniest and most outrageous movie that he's ever made. Oh, yeah. And I think that that is completely undeniable. Um, And that kind of outrageous sophomore humor is also something that I really would not expect from a 70 plus year old man either. Um, I do think a lot of that is attributed, though, to the cast because Scorsese uh, famously let them improvise in this movie. Um, And, you know, there's been moments of famous improvisation in Scorsese films before, like De Niro uh, saying, you talking to me in Taxi Driver or Joe Pesci's I'm Funny How and Goodfellas. But here it's like, it feels like the entire movie is improvised. The dialogue is just so incredibly natural as it's said by a lot of these actors to the point that it just has this rhythm to it that is really contagious. And the contagiousness speaks to what Scorsese is getting with in terms of the moral complexity of the themes of this movie and something that's also in a lot of his other work, which is he has a habit of making criminal life very alluring to the viewer. It sucks you in deliberately. It makes you feel like, I want to be a part of this. This looks like something that I should be doing. Like, why am I not doing this in my life? Why am I instead going the good, virtuous route? But instead, then he pulls the rug out from underneath you, and he does depict then uh, the fall after the rise. And 
in the end, he's hoping that people will take away uh, the moral lesson of the story. But the Wolf of Wall Street to a greater degree than Goodfellas, because I would argue Goodfellas has this too. Wolf of Wall Street, I think, is the Martin Scorsese film that has been misinterpreted the most by a youthful, uh, mostly masculine culture that this movie is seeking to actually condemn and put down. And I also think, too, that that's not special or unique to this movie. That has happened with a ton of other movies before. A Clockwork Orange is a great example. Fight Club is a great example. The one that I always uh, think about in comparison to this film is American Psycho. That's another great example. Mm-hmm. Hey everyone, sorry to interrupt, but this is a preview of our full review of the 2013 film The Wolf of Wall Street here on the Next Best Picture podcast. In order to get the full review, you will have to head on over to our Patreon for Next Best Picture, where for $1 minimum a month, you will get this review and other exclusive podcast content from us, including the rest of our 2013 retrospective. You have been listening to the Next Best Picture podcast. We are proud to be part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, and you can subscribe to us anywhere where you subscribe to podcasts. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and your support. Thank you so much for listening, as always, and we shall see you all next time. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.